Father Harrison. Father Anthony. You see me on your computer screen, correct? I do. You... Can you see what this little box is I'm holding up right it now? It says Nicorette. It says Nicorette. <laughs> this is Nicorette gum. So we're going to talk a little bit about this. So if you don't like <laughs> two weeks in a row, your listeners. Of... Yeah, yeah, exactly. I have a figure, follow up. So a couple things about this Nicorette gum. First of all, this pack of 170 pieces. This is for the two milligram dose. Is like almost eighty dollars. Holy! You smokes. know how much money that is in Canadian money? That's about one hundred ten. That's like four million Canadian dollars, Father Harrison. About one hundred ten dollars. So much more money. Okay. Okay. So so so. Oh, couple things. Couple things. First of all, I was very impressed. I thought for sure after people heard that I smoke or use nicotine or whatever. That I was going to get all of these comments saying, Oh, Father, you know that's not good for you. Like anyone <laughs> in 2019 doesn't realize that smoking is bad. Right. Right? But they didn't. Yeah. They didn't annoy me with all the information I already know. And I was like, oh, my goodness. Thank you, Internet, for treating me like an adult. But also, I decided it's time. It's time once again to try to quit. What, t- what, time, is, what time number is this? Maybe four or five. Okay. Yeah, uh, over the course of uh, eight years. Okay. What's the longest you survived? About a year. Okay. Yeah, it was just one of those stupid things like, oh, I haven't smoked in a year, or I haven't, you know, mm-hmm. dipped in a year. This is no big deal. And then I was like, ah. So, um, where was I going with this? Oh yeah. So first of all. Nicorette gum is super expensive, but you got to go. But cheaper than cigarettes still. Yeah, I guess so. But you got to go for the name brand because I've done like the off-brand gum before Mm -hmm. and it's just impossible to eat. It's just the worst. But anyway, so I quit this morning. So I'm only like, (laughs) Uh, I don't know how many hours into it, but oh my goodness, I forgot how hard this is when when you do this a lot. So it started off in the morning, just getting a little bit cranky, but then I went into like super depression mode and had uh-huh. no energy uh-huh. and just like slept for two hours, uh-huh. woke up feeling super angry, and now I'm like in this like angry slash fog and my brain's not working. So all this will make for a very interesting podcast, Father Harrison. You're going to have to carry the team. Plus you look like death warmed over. I, I feel like death warmed over. <laughs> Uh, before I forget, before my nicotine uh, withdrawn brain forgets, hey guys, welcome to Clerically Speaking. Yeah. I'm Father Anthony. I'm Father Harrison. So uh-huh. yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's it, we we had a little meeting beforehand, and I you should have seen his face, folks. I think I think producer Nick is gonna post a picture of my face. I think people will see it. <laughs> And we were really close. We were really close to not recording because you, Father Harrison, you're going on a little uh, trip, aren't you? Going on a couple days, a holiday to, well, it was going to be with my family, but now that's not happening. So we get a couple days off after Christmas. So that's what I'm doing. I'm taking a couple days, uh, but I'll be hanging out with Father Tim now. So from uh, Culver City in California. And so I'll be hanging out with him now, which will be nice. And um, yeah, so just, it it was pretty, I'm still feeling it. And of course, you see, one of the things that people don't realize is that when you're about to go away on holiday, even if it's just for a couple days, you have like when I get back on the Saturday, I've got our liturgy training. We're doing liturgy training for all of our Eucharistic ministers, ushers, and lectors. 
So I'm trying to get stuff ready for that before I leave because I come back and I go right into that. On the on the Sunday, I've got to go to a night's fourth degree in the afternoon, and then we're having a family night on the Sunday night, a movie and pizza night for families. Then I've got a little bit of a youth group meetup after that. And then, oh my gosh, I got a bunch of stuff coming up the week out. And then I've got a retreat on the Tuesday for grade six, sevens at our Catholic school. Wow. So yeah. once you get back, you're really hitting the ground. Uh, right. So there. I have a huge list of things that I need to do. And I was trying so hard to do it yesterday and I couldn't pay attention. I, I tried, you know, after our conversations last week about smoking, I was like, man, that would not be a bad idea right now. Cause maybe, no it would, man, cause, cause maybe quitting it is me. the worst. I know. It's the worst. Hearing your experiences today. I'm like, this maybe is a very bad idea and maybe I'll never, ever do this. This is the hardest it's ever been. I think cause I'm, I, I've been smoking and dipping more than I have before. It is so bad. It is so not <laughs> worth it. So uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah. so I, so yeah, I like even today. I which is my day of rest has not been much of a day of rest, which is fine because I'm gone for a couple of days. But um, it's been a little, a little crazy. So I'm just trying to keep my head above water. So after we record today, I'll probably go back and do some more work. Get so this is the thing about when you're a priest. It's like especially when you're a pastor, like you have administrative duties that you have to take care of, and no matter even if you're going to be gone, it's like it gets. I start to understand why it's harder and harder for priests to get, take vacations. When they're mm-hmm. pastors, because there's responsibilities, but you just have to remind yourself, it'll be there when you get back and you can't do everything and you just kind of got to do what you can. And it's really teaching me a lot about not procrastinating, which has been a good thing. Yeah. So you were speaking there and my yep. brain went off into my nicotine withdrawal fog. Yeah. But I want to... <laughs> I do want to mention something. So right before we had our meeting and our whole Twitter thingy, when we're talking about uh, the podcast and the future of the podcast, I was meeting with a couple who are looking to get married at my parish. And it was one of the worst meetings I've had with a couple, not because of them. They're both lovely. They're both Catholic, just great people. And I, I know the, um, the, the bride-to-be um, from other like ministry things I've done in the past. But like I called their wedding a funeral, not once, wow. but twice. Twice I said, Smooth. you know, oh, you have a priest come and can celebrate your funeral. And luckily they laughed it off and they're fine. But I did that twice. They were giving me like their address and stuff and I was getting the numbers wrong. And My I gosh. looked as miserable as I do now. So wow. I had to share that as well. So Yeah, that although is it really different? It is. I it am is. a very it capable is. priest, Father Harrison. It is. Different. I do things good sometimes, but and today you, is a rough day. And you even I would use appreciate proper grammar. Your charity as I go through this. Even and use as we stumble through a podcast. Sorry, what? You even use proper grammar. Grammar. <laughs> I <laughs> use pop, proper grammar all the time, Father Harrison. <laughs> You know who else had excellent grammar? Ah, uh, you took, you stole my, you stole it. <laughs> Thomas Aquinas. It's time for the Summa Tweetologica. Summa Tweetologica. Summa Tweetologica. Summa Tweetologica.
So the Summa Theologica was St. Thomas Aquinas's summary of theology, and the Summa Tweetologica is our summary of things that we have found interesting on Twitter. Now, first up, a little bit of a bonus tweet. So uh, a couple of weeks ago, there was Seek, this big old conference for young adults and stuff. Yeah, and but we're not, we're not bitter. In, in one of their, um, what was that? We're not bitter. No, not bitter at all. I'm over it, man. We've got plans. We've got even amazing guests lined up. The Seek people are just going to be begging us, begging us to come next year. And I cannot wait to turn them down. So anyway... <laughs> Um, they had this like projection board where you like could tweet about Seek and they might put it up there. Well, at NH underscore hockey underscore 12 got our name put on this um, projector screen. So awesome. I was like, hey, buddy, for helping us out, how about you just pick a tweet, just a bonus tweet, pick one. So the tweet he picked was from at ITGeekCT. And she says, at the flea market, a man with a collar said, do you want to be saved? He was surprised when I responded, well, I've just been to confession and daily mass and pray to be able to continue to be in a state of grace and reach eternal salvation. He gave me this crying, laughing face emoji. And in it is a picture. It's a great picture. It's a ticket. It says free ticket. Admit one to heaven. Just accept <laughs> Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. This is not about church, but about a personal relationship. Church at the flea market first Friday every month. So have you have you ever gotten one of these things when it's like like a pamphlet from like a aggressive Protestant proselytizing person uh, or something like that? Father I've Harrison? got a couple, but you have to realize like hardcore um, fundamentalist Protestantism really doesn't exist in Canada very much. It's part of what makes America so great is that we have all of that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so the one of the reasons <laughs> I've seen why it, I've seen it, yes, yeah, NH hockey is pick this is because sometimes it can be difficult for a person to like how do you respond to these people who sometimes are really aggressive or they're just coming at you from a different theological and spiritual universe and it's yeah. difficult but i think uh it geek ct did a good job just kind of saying hey i've been to confession i've been to daily mass and i pray that i can stay in a state of grace right good response and, and that's yeah. all you can do you know, if you ever get into debates about this, and I, you know, it happens once in a while. Like I get, I get, I do get asked this by American friends a lot. So I just usually say, because here's the thing: if you notice what that card's saying is, it's separating Jesus from the church. Yes. Which is from Catholic perspective a no-no, and it's a no-no from a biblical perspective. Mm. Because who is Jesus, right? He, Jesus is fully God, fully man. Takes on a human body, uh, unites it to his divine person. Fully man in every way like us. What is the church? The body of Christ. So you cannot separate Christ from his members. It is about church too, because it's about being part of his body. And so that's usually my little in, because it's very Pauline. It's very biblical. Yes, I love it. Very good. Yeah. Uh, before we go on to our next tweet, though, I think we need to also, oh. if we're going to bring up the, 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 the seek thing. Yeah, yeah, sure. We do need to bring up one, because... If we ignored it, this would be bad. While the Crunch Boys were recording their podcast, but we're not bitter, um, is Adam Boyle and Hunter Lanceman. And I don't know who the third person was. Uh, Kevin, wasn't it? Kevin. Was it Kevin? Okay. I didn't know. Anyways, they started singing the Summa Tweetologica live outside the 
Crunch's podcast booth. Yes, it was beautiful. I've never been so proud. So proud of my boys. Yes. They did such a good job. They did. Thanks, they did. guys. Thanks, guys. They're we great. really appreciate it. Summa Tweetologica. Summa Tweetologica. Summa Tweetologica. Summa Tweetologica. Where we talk about the tweets. Uh, so my tweet is from Going Blonzo, and she says this: "Just found out I made a friend Thomist, and I think I'm going to need to confess that." I laughed so hard because I was just <laughs> so many jokes were going through my head, you know. <laughs> because she made a obs- friend with a Thomist. Well, like, are you obsessed with the five ways? Maybe you've made your fr- too many friends with Thomas or something like that. You, like, I was just thinking like a PSA, like a personal service announcement about this, about why you don't make your friends Thomists. Uh, <laughs> and so, so I just thought it, there was also a lot going through my head on my theological geekery side about what you could do with that. Like, do you spend too much time thinking about S, the difference, the uh, distinction between essay and essentia? But uh, <laughs> So here's the thing. A lot of people, it's very fun and easy to make fun of Thomas. That is, people who, in a particular way, study the theology um, expounded by Thomas Aquinas. Yes. But also, you know what? Whenever I've got a question about stuff, going to the Summa, it's a a a pretty safe bet. It is. It is. I like St. Thomas, too. I just... I do, too. I just like to rag on Thomas sometimes. But it is fun to make fun of Thomas. I agree (laughs) wholeheartedly. See, I was just just imagining a... uh, a, a PSA announcement about this. <laughs> this is going through my head. I like it. All right. This one is from at Father Ryan Rojo. In a situation today where I'm forced to offer three masses within a five-hour period, I know that this is an extraordinary circumstance, but I think the church's rationale in limiting the number of masses a priest can offer is well-founded. And I want to super agree with this tweet. So I talked about this a lot, I think, when I was at my previous assignment. Because almost weekly, almost every weekend, I would have at least, um, you know, out of about five Sunday masses a weekend. And that was Mm -hmm. on top of the confessions I would do with any kind of bonus Saturday morning mass or funeral I would do. Mm -hmm. And it was exhausting. So now I have a more difficult assignment. I've got seven parishes instead of three. But to be honest, it's so much more doable. It's so much more life-giving because I'm only saying three Sunday Masses a weekend. And the difference mm-hmm. it makes in my prayer and the way I celebrate Mass is huge. It really mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. Like I'm no longer worried about the time, like how long Mass is taking. I'm no longer exhausted by it. I'm mm-hmm. not thinking about which Eucharistic prayer to choose because I'm tired of saying mass i'm just celebrating mass as well as i can each and every time and i love it yeah. so i think the church's wisdom in saying hey only three masses thumbs up for that and really the and the church actually says we really should only be celebrating one mass a day that's the ideal right um but there are dispensations given when that can't happen and i mean if you think it's bad here i've heard of priests in the philippines who sometimes will have said 13 masses on a sunday Oh my! I, I can't. I just can't even. I can't even. You, you can't. There's no way. I mean, no matter how holy you are, there's no way you can humanly do that well. No, exactly. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming. I have no idea of the situation. They might have to. I don't know. 
But like, I feel so sorry for those priests because yeah. you begin to feel like just a, a freaking like sacrament machine. Yeah, and that's like the point of the church's law. It's so that we don't uh, become get too used to the mass. Yeah. Right. Like the whole idea is that we don't get too familiar. That we protect the mystery of what we're celebrating. When you do it too much, it can be too easy to just kind of like just go on rote repetition mode. And that's not the point of mass. It's something that's to be prayed. Thankfully, of course, it doesn't depend on the work or the sanctity of the minister. It's in the work worked, right? Ex opere operato. Mm-hmm. But still, it's still be this way. So we actually had a discussion about this at my parish, right? And because I had three Christmas Eve masses and one Christmas Day mass. And I, I kind of tried to fight to have two on Christmas Eve just due to numbers. But I said, okay, fine. This year, I'll, I'll kind of watch it out, right? And I said, to, I said to some people, I'm like, you guys realize, like, just so you know, like, it's, you, you might just think, oh, you're just doing four hours of work. Um, no, because, well, first there's the prep time, the proximate prep time you're doing before masses with making sure everything's set up, maybe Mm -hmm. doing last minute things with your homily. You have, um, then you're praying, you got things to deal with a few minutes before mass. You're saying hi to people after mass and it's exhausting to be on like that. It really is. Even if you're an extrovert like me, it's exhausting. Mm -hmm. I did four masses in 12 hours. Yeah. And on Christmas Day, I was done. Yeah. I got back home at 7 o'clock at night that night from my parents' place. And I wanted to... I, I, I should not have driven that night, actually. I'm glad I made it home safe. Ooh, yeah. I I've never had that... podcast like, co-host if you didn't, yeah, so... Exactly. You'd, you'd be rejoicing, actually. <laughs> Father Harrison, who could replace you? I could find another host. I could yeah, never just find like, just a like replacement. Yeah, just like you backstabbed me and, and did another podcast. What do you mean I backstabbed you and did another podcast? Do you mean the Spicy Nugs podcast? (laughs) (laughs) The podcast where two priests and a dad review Wendy's items once a month? Yes. You can find us. (laughs) What is it? it? The hottest... What the the hottest t- no the spiciest it takes, takes and the, the frostiest, frostiest shakes. shakes that's it. <laughs> if you guys don't know, if you just want like ten minutes of a joke podcast, search the Spicy Nugs podcast. Myself, Father uh, Rocket Dan, and um, Dad Nista Jake and Dad Nista at Dad Nista Jake. We do this little ten minute uh, podcast. It was a lot of fun. I actually edited it myself. Wow. So uh, and I have much more respect for what producer Nick does because it took Wait. me. So you didn't have respect for him before? I mean, uh, as much as one can have respect for one's younger brother, I had. So none. Yeah. So okay. now I've got some because he <laughs> takes about two hours to edit this, you know, more, more or less one hour podcast. It took me like three hours to edit 10 minutes of sound. Like it took me so yeah. long. Anyway, we'll yeah. put a link to that. Yeah. But anyways, yeah. So, but yeah, this, we're... It's exhausting. It can wear out a priest too much. And so the idea is we should really only be praying one Mass a day. And that's, I mean, you can't be that way on weekends at least. But like, like that's why here I've made the decision, like when we have a school Mass once a month, I've canceled the evening Mass that, that Tuesday because... Oh, that's not... Yeah, yeah. I don't need... They can come to the... They come to the 9 o'clock anyways, so it doesn't really make sure. a difference. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. What you got? You I got, got one? It. Yeah. Uh, it's one we've all lamented on Twitter. Oh, no. Oh, yes. Oh, we're, we're going one? there. Yeah, yeah, the football one. Go. Oh, yeah. Let's go. Let's go. Let's do it. I, I, need to, I need to exact your 
nicotine uh, rage right now. You know, I'm trying to turn rage into energy. I'm trying to channel my rage to energy for the podcast. From at KMBC, Catholic Church in Prairie Village uh, moves up mass just for Saturday's Chiefs game. And I came to attention of this one through, I think it was Propostle. Yeah. If I remember correctly. But yeah. Uh, Yeah. So what had happened was this priest in somewhere near Kansas City, whatever, Indiana, isn't it? Wasn't Indiana? It Indiana. I don't know I where was, like, for the states Colts. are. This is the thing when you've got a country that is so great and magnificent and so large with vast tracts of land and many states worthy of of notes, it can be hard to keep them all in one's mind because uh-huh. the greatness is too much to be contemplated. But anyway, this priest. And he might, maybe he's a great and wonderful holy priest. I just really strongly disagree with this idea that he moved mass back two hours on Saturday so that people could watch the football game. Now, oh, sorry, yes, you're putting, right. You're right. It was, uh, it was Kansas. See, see, I know things sometimes. Okay, so putting aside the questions of canon law and whether or not that counts, apparently the canon law is more complicated than I was aware of. Let's throw all that aside. You're moving mass because of a football game. What does that say about yeah. your priorities? First of all, you've got other masses. How about exactly. you go to mass on a Sunday? Like, exactly. you know, Christians did for thousands of years. I know I should be more careful about what I'm saying because there are always exceptions and Saturday mass counts. But you know what? Today, I don't care, Father Harrison. We're getting rid of all Saturday masses. It's going to be Sunday. You're going to quit your job. You're going to go to mass on Sunday, and that's what's going to happen from now until all eternity, until Jesus Christ comes again. You know why? Because football is stupid. (laughs) Well, thanks for listening, folks. Uh, what, Anyways, what, was take, what was your take, Father Harrison? On this I also s- strongly disagreed. We're just we're saying we want to meet people where they're at. This is not the way you do it. We do not we do not accommodate ourselves to secular like worldly things. They're not bad or anything, but we don't we accommodate those things to Jesus. What's because what this is what it's saying? It's saying actually football is more important. Yeah. Right. It's like I remember seeing a video once of a priest at mass after the end of mass. It was I think it was South America. He took off his vestments to show his his soccer jersey for the team that was playing that day. Right? Oh yeah, I like, remember that. Yeah. I'm like, guys, this is not the place for this. We've just been with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and we're talking about sports. Now, sports are awesome, and sports are good, and they're fun. But yeah, go to mass on Sunday then. Don't worry, you know, cancel this or do it later. Yeah. Not earlier. Right? Why not do it at 8 o'clock? And there's nothing wrong with priests being sports fans. Or, like, um, I remember it was at one of my masses. And now I'm in the western PA area. And I saw someone leaving mass. This was I was shaking everybody's hands. And he was wearing a Cleveland's uh, Browns shirt. Mm -hmm. So I made fun of him. And, like, like stuff like that, that's fun. That's normal, whatever. But, like, let's also make sure that mass and the Eucharist is a priority. And be real honest with that. Because that's what we're, we're supposed to do. So I'm glad you brought that up. It, it created a lot of interesting discussion on Twitter. Yeah. Um, I learned a lot more about canon law. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. This is a good PSA for anyone who thinks they know things. Just because you can read what canon law says 
in like the code of canon law doesn't mean you actually understand canon law. Right. Right. So yeah. I think it's important to like remember that like these things can be a little bit more complicated than yeah. first and glance. I'll just give a little shout out to Father Matt Fish who had a great thread on vi- vigils as well that was really the worth The great reading. Father Matt Fish. He is great. He's awesome. Yes. Why aren't you following him? Yeah, why aren't you following Matt Fish? Follow yeah. Father Matt Fish. Do it now. Okay. Do it now. All right. Um, hey, I think it's time for some Patreon pontifications. Patreon pontifications. You support us. We read your tweets. Please consider donating to our Patreon. Money goes to paying for our equipment and podcast hosting fees, as well as pre- paying producer Nick a just wage for the good work he does. Any money collected that goes beyond that will be donated to the missionaries of charity. No money goes to Father Harrison. No money goes to Father Anthony. If you are part of our $5 pastoral council tier or $10 church lady tier, you have a chance at having your chosen tweet talked about on the podcast. So this week's tweet comes from at Master Jeb. At Master Jeb writes, I sometimes wonder, scrupulously, the value of secular entertainment. Isn't there something better to do? And then, last night, I sat with a couple of priests laymen, and laymen, smoked cigars, drank various libations, and discussed the Babylon 5 episode entitled Passing Through Gethsemane. Thumbs up emoji, thumbs up emoji. From Master Jeb. And this is a good point, because sometimes I can be this way too, like, especially when it comes to literature, but even stuff you watch. Like, this doesn't necessarily, this show or whatever doesn't have any like explicit Christian con- content. Mm-hmm. Is it worth watching? Well, things can be true and good and even beautiful and not explicitly Christian. Or, yeah. not, I mean, they're also going to be good mixed with the bad and stuff. And I think as long as you take that um, with Christian discernment and a Christian mind, it's okay. But I think what he really gets at is. You can use these things to talk about the culture, to enjoy fraternity with friends, you know, mm-hmm. um, things even like football, even though I, I think it needs to be abolished now because of this whole mass thing. But even football can be a good thing to talk about. Right. And there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. Okay. I'm not sure if that, any of that made sense, Father Harrison. What's your take? I, I, I'm a big fan of secular entertainment for, I mean, watched appropriately, obviously. There's some shows I'm just like, no, sorry, I'm, I'm giving up. I know people think, oh, I love Game of Thrones. Sorry, it's porn- pornographic. Man, uh, okay, can we time out? Time out real quick on Game of Thrones. Yeah. So I heard all this good stuff about Game of Thrones. Like, yeah, the stories feel good. Yeah. I tried to watch the first episode, and I am I am not like a prude or anything. Exactly. I am willing to understand that there's a place for even vulgarity and sometimes sexuality in mm-hmm. art. Mm-hmm. I saw that first episode, and I was like, nope. Don't yep. need to see any more of this. Exactly. Not worth it. Exactly. Ask yourself this question. Would a priest, priest watch this? <laughs> Honestly. And the answer is no. No. <laughs> I turn, I did the same thing. Well, so, well, let me rephrase that. I watched a bit more because mm-hmm. I, I would think I was a deacon when it was just coming out or something. Anyways, but, um, but I had to fast forward a lot. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> nope. Right. All right. All right. Fast forward some more. Um, but the shows give us an insight into the culture sure because if, yeah. if if they're popular for a reason mm, right that's a good point so 
if people are watching game, like that's why I was trying to watch it because a lot of people were talking about it and I was like I hated it for a variety of reasons I'm sure I'm going to be added for this I don't care it sucked mm. it's it's like anti it's anti fantasy <laughs> but like stuff like sci-fi and and good TV shows tell us about the cultural moment that we're in and that's important to inform ourselves about how we proclaim the gospel to that so it may not have any direct effect in our in our Christian lives per se but it can inform us that way. And I think that's really important. I agree. So nice. thanks at master Jeb. Good point. Cool. Next up, presbyterable exhortations <laughs> go. <laughs> and now it is time for presbyteral exhortations. Oh yes. yes. Quite good. Quite good. Indubitably. Mm-hmm. Oh, I bet they can't wait to learn. They're gonna learn so much. It's my favorite part. Oh, it's the oh, best part. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Quite. Yes. Quite. Uh, I, I tried to say presbyteral. I think I said presbyteral <laughs> exhortations. Uh, oh, Harrison, you are saving me today. Because I I was gonna do this whole presbyteral exhortations on ad orientum. Yeah. But the way my brain's going, I'm like, Father Harrison, I can't. I can't. I want to do can't. this justice. I can't. Can you Can you help us out? So, Father Harrison, I'm how are do, you saving the podcast today? I'm going to do my best, uh, and I want to talk about acedia today. Acedia? Acedia. Sounds or, like a disease. It, it kind of, it's a spiritual disease. Ooh. Yes, it's a spiritual. It's a disease of the soul. Um, so, I want to talk about that today because it's something that is always on my mind. It's something I talk about a lot. I was actually just on Hallie Lord's show this morning talking about it. So, oh, name uh, dropper! Oh, I was on Hallie Lord's show. You know what happens? Hallie Lord's show isn't no spicy nugs podcast. I'll tell you that much. No, it's greater. <laughs> debatable, debatable. Sorry, continue. It's like I put out a tweet, I get invited on the show. It's just how it works. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Anyways, um, no, I want to talk about a CD because it's. Uh, it's something that's really important. I posted on Twitter today as well uh, an image of a book that I really highly recommend to everyone. And I'm not getting paid by Ignatius Press to say this. It's just really, really such a good book. It's mm. by Jean Charles Nolt. Uh, he's ah, the-, the good old Jean Charles Nolt. <laughs> he is Abbot of Saint Juan. Wait, I can't even read it right now. My lady's really. Oh, Saint of uh, Saint Wandrill in uh, in France. And he wrote Ooh. a book called The Noonday Devil: Acedia, the Unnamed Evil of Our Times. So if you haven't heard of this, I really do highly recommend this book. So I want to talk about Acedia today. I want to talk about it in the context of the eight evil thoughts, what Acedia looks like, and then um, I want to talk about how we can start to overcome it because I am in agreement with Father Nault. It is the kind of, it ravages our age. Um, What do you know of Acedia? So Acedia... From what I understand, this is something that was occasionally talked about in seminary. Um, and I think it's one of those things that if you, even if you don't recognize the word, you recognize the experience. So it's yeah. something along the lines of like, you just stop caring. Mm-hmm. It's not just sloth. It's not just laziness. Right. It's this kind of resignation where you don't even care that you don't care anymore. Exactly. Yeah. Perfect. Great descriptor. Uh, the the kind of pithy definition I have for it is that it's the inability to desire the good. Ooh, nice. Yeah. So that's my little pithy. So keep that in your mind. Acedia is the inability or the lack of desire to desire the good. Mm-hmm. So this 
comes out of the tradition of the Desert Fathers. Uh, the word acedia actually in Greek used to mean uh, the not wanting to bury the dead, which is for the Greeks actually a very strong thing because they would want burying the dead is something you do. It's a human thing to do. So it's, it's meant to say that it's a, an inhuman vice. Ah, but the Christian tradition took it on. And it's in the tradition of Evagrius Ponticus, who uh, kind of formalized what he calls the eight evil, evil thoughts. And this came into the West as the seven deadly sins. Okay. Oh, we got rid of one. Yeah. Yes, we got rid of one. So here's the nice eight evil thoughts. Sin. Go yes. Uh, it is, uh, where am I here? All right. Uh, gluttony, lust or fornication, avarice or greed, sadness, anger, acedia, vainglory and uh, pride so uh, we do not have sadness in the west they put that in, in under acedia usually uh, oh interesting yeah we do not have sadness or despondency is another way of looking at there it there is no sadness and despondency in the west <laughs> this we not. know to be true exactly <laughs> no just as we look at as, as we over sometimes over well not overemphasize that we uh, we expand on Jesus's suffering for us right <laughs> We do, we're, yeah. not, we're not about sadness at all. Um, so these eight evil, this is a tradition out of scriptural interpretation because for the church fathers and really the Christian tradition, the idea of going towards God is kind of that pilgrimage through the desert. And Israel had to overcome eight, eight nations as it went mm. through towards the promised land. And so Evagrius took those eight nations and said, well, these are the eight nations that we need to overcome in the soul to achieve our redemption for God. And you'll notice of some a few interesting things. It goes from the most carnal sins to the most spiritual sins, right? So yeah. it, the first one's gluttony, and the last one's pride. Yeah. So if you're struggling, let's let's say you're struggling with greed. You're not going to overcome greed until you first overcome any gluttony or lust in your life. So you're, are you saying you, should, you always need to begin with the the carnal things? Or yeah. you always need to begin with the spiritual things? You no, know, you always need to start with the carnal things. Okay, yeah. Like, everyone, like, I always say to people when they're confessing pride in the confessional, I'm like, that. okay, fine. But what are the specific, what are the specific ways pride comes out? Because it'll come out in those, like, kind of, in the sort of those categories of the other seven. Okay. But, and this is why fasting is such an important thing, actually, because it's, uh, it's one of the principal ways to reorder the orientation or reorder the relationship of the body with the soul. And so you have to go. So acedia is probably in the more spiritual sense, but it still has like a, a motive or somatic expression. And then pride's a purely spiritual thing. So okay. it's the last thing to overcome. Now they call it the eight evil thoughts, not the eight evil sins. Yeah. It's, yeah. That's different. Yeah. Do you have any comment? What do you think? Well, I always get worried. Can you think right now? Just like my pastoral mind is going. And I always get worried when we start talking about thoughts. Right. Because I think when people focus too much on thoughts, I think there's a temptation to get into scrupulosity. Right. um, Because people don't have an understanding of where your willpower begins and ends. Mm -hmm. So I always get a little bit worried about talking about... um, you know, sin or virtue with regards to thinking. Right. Um, so that's where my brain's going right now. Yep. And I think my it's a, f- a f- brain. Yep. And it's a fair, it's a fair hesitation. People mm-hmm. are often, oh, I, I had, um, 
I had lustful thoughts. Or even more right? basic, I was distracted at mass. Right. Okay. Like, what do you mean by that? Exactly. Like, was your, like sometimes our brains are just like monkeys running around. That's not exactly. a sin. That's just like... And that's yeah. why it's the job of the confessor to ask, did you do that mm -hmm. intentionally or was it just kind of peppering your mind? Right. Were you watching right. YouTube videos before mass or not? Yeah, like, exactly. It, like, how much are you culpable for this? Exactly, right? And of course, there's a lot of in the realm of seriousness and everything too, right? But anyway, so that's our job to kind of investigate that. For the Desert Fathers, and especially for Evagrius, the idea is that we are supposed to be uh, dealing with thoughts because he's, they say this, thoughts lead to feelings, lead to desires. Mm. Okay. Now they're not saying desire is bad. They're just saying that if you give in, to, if you give in to these eight evil thoughts, it's going to, uh, it's going to kind of stir up the feelings, which is going to create a desire. Okay. Yeah. So you need to start. So that's the, actually the battle starts in the thoughts. When you start to notice a thought about that coming in, you have a choice to make with your freedom, and with God's grace. Am I going to give in to this, or am I going to turn to Jesus in this? And that's, and if you don't, you know, the way I kind of look at it, it's like those thoughts are like little seeds that are, and our, and our souls kind of like a, the soil of the earth. Right. And it, yeah. and if we have to stop those, those seeds from getting into the soil, because if they yeah. get into the soil, they start to get roots and then they start to grow. So they get roots. That's kind of like the, the, the feelings and then they grow. That's where the desires grow. And so that's why I, I often notice when I hear confessions that when people say, I mean, a, a common one we, we will often hear is around stuff like lust when yeah. they say, I, you know, I fell into lust okay well when did you start fighting it oh when i was really wanting it i'm like yeah you, you fought too late yeah. the enemy the enemy's already <laughs> in the gates like of course you're gonna lose right yeah <laughs> but rather like what we're supposed to do is uh we're actually supposed to deal with in the level of thoughts so that's where we're supposed to deal with it and and um i can go into a lot more around lust and everything too because that's a i've done a lot of work with people in this area but let's focus mm -hmm. with acedia so acedia is one of those higher ones Acedia deals in the soul with, like you said, it's it's like not caring, essentially. It's not, in the West, we call it sloth, but it's not just like a laziness. It's a, it's, I don't care. Now, is it, I don't know if it's just me, but that seems to be a pretty common attitude. Yeah, I think, because I think so often we go about this world and we're so wounded mm -hmm. that caring about anything makes us vulnerable and right. whenever we've put our energy or effort into something when we've cared about someone or something and have been hurt because of that we choose not to care anymore because caring is too dangerous right but i think that's that attitude is a little more different than the acedia thing i think okay um, yeah go ahead yeah because like the acedia thing I mean, at least with regards to the Christian spiritual life and not just like any person on the street. Yeah. Is when like, you know, God is God. You grew up in the faith. You believe all that stuff, but you just don't care that you're not praying right now and that you're not going to pray today. Mm -hmm. Like it, that's a little bit different than I think the kind of um, societal, cultural, it's cool to not care because I'm wounded all the time. <laughs> or maybe it is, maybe it is similar. I don't know. So uh, I, 
I'm very attuned to acedia because I really recognize it's one of those major sins in my life. And I'll just say this. Everyone's going to have three or four major sins they're going to struggle with, even the greatest of saints. So don't yep. be scandalized when I say this. That's one of mine. Acedia is a big one for me. Um, and I've really recognized it. But the, And the scary thing is, is when you recognize it in yourself and you're very attuned to what it looks like, it's very easy to be perceptive to it in others. Yes. Right? Yeah, I agree. And it's everywhere. <laughs> it's everywhere. Because I, I agree, like, there is part of that where we just feel, like, kind of grinded down by the world, and we just want to kind of lose hope. In fact, uh, St. Thomas will say that Asidia is a sin against charity, uh, which is very interesting. But, it uh, is. Um, it, it, we feel grinded down. We, we lose hope, and it's just kind of like... But the other thing is, is we've been kind of trained to appreciate mediocrity. Yes. And to not desire more. And it puts a fear in us of wanting to actually chase the thing that really matters. So that uh, we're like, well, I'm a good person. I go to church every week. I go to confession a few times a year. What's more there to do? And this is, that's that's when you yeah. when you start to think like this, that's acedia right away. Because, oh my goodness. Oh my yeah. goodness. This is so crazy. I just preached about, I mean, I preach about the I'm a good person thing a lot. I yeah. just preached about this. Oh, this is this is delightful. Okay, yeah. Sorry, okay. keep going. You're doing great. Okay. You're doing great. Thanks. <laughs> I'm cheering. You can't see Yay. it, but I'm cheering Father Harrison. <laughs> so if we fall into this kind of culture of, of mediocrity around this, and we just feel like we're kind of okay and we're settled, the reason it's a sin against charity is because the God, through baptism, is dwells within the soul. Mm -hmm. God's infinite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There is no end to God in a way. You can never exhaust God. Oops. You yes. can never exhaust God. And if you can't exhaust God, then it follows that you can never be bored with God. That you can never do too much to seek him. Even when we're in heaven. One of yes. my favorite theologians from the East, uh, Gregory Nyssa, really gets into this. If God's infinite and we're finite, we will never exhaust the divine nature. I think it's important because I think right? sometimes... When people think about holiness or yeah. think about becoming a saint, yeah. they think it's going to be boring. Exactly. And it's that's not. sometimes why we don't approach it. Exactly. No, totally. So if this is the case, so we're just saying, I don't need to do any more. It's not about doing more to earn your salvation, but it's about wanting to love more mm. because you've been loved so much. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's a sin against charity. So there's a few ways that we can start to be attuned to acedia in our life that I think are important to point out. One of the big ones is distraction. Am I just trying to distract myself from my task? And especially, am I doing something that's distracting from my vocation? If you're a parent, I, I don't know. Let's go with the football theme since it's such a big one today. <laughs> if you're a dad and you spend all your time watching football clips and watching football games and listening to football sports casts and spend an hour a week with your kids, that's acedia. Because you shouldn't be doing things that destroy your most fundamental voc vocation. So distractions are a big way to do it. The other option, it's funny because the opposite thing can also occur with this. A workaholicism, like, like a, a sense of wanting to oh, do too much yeah, to avoid. But it's kind of, it's still a distraction. It's just in a different form to avoid doing the thing that really matters and to wanting to run away from it. Mm -hmm. um, there is a dullness of the soul. 
that really comes into the heart with it all too. Uh, I don't, we, we stop to care about holy things and we stop to care about God. And I think that's the big, that's for me, the big characteristic of Asidia today. It's not even intentional, but we, we, again, we are manipulated to thinking that mediocrity is okay, that I don't need anything more, that there's nothing more. Asidia tries to destroy the search for the transcendent. Wow. Yeah. Oh my goodness. This is really hitting home because I, even though I was off Twitter for Advent, um, just with the busyness and other stuff going on, I started to fall off in prayer and was just kind of not in like a terrible place, but not in a good place. Mm Mm-hmm. And whenever I would go, like, I should pray. I've got time to pray right now. Even though I didn't have Twitter, I kept, like, going on the internet, looking for internet memes or trying to read articles or even doing good stuff. Like, oh, here's a good book. I should read this book. When I knew I should pray, but I didn't want to pray. And in all that is this thought, like, you know, I'm still preaching well right now. I'm still doing priestly stuff well enough right now. But what you're saying which is making me remember what was going on was there wasn't a desire for holiness like yeah. my decisions weren't being made out of a love for god exactly uh, it, that wasn't the reason i didn't wake up in the morning because i loved god i woke up in the morning because that's what i had to do that day yeah and that's a miserable place to be in it is now luckily my spiritual director kicked my butt a couple of weeks ago so now we're, <laughs> we're getting back to it and focusing yeah. on the holiness but yeah i think that's something that happens to people a lot in the spiritual life and that's the thing the devil wants us or the evil spirit wants us to focus on things that will move us away from thinking about the things that really matter. Right. Um, so it, it's really, it's really, and it's really, and again, it's, it's all, it starts in the thoughts, right? Cause mm-hmm. the thoughts inform our decisions. We don't just make a decision out of no reflection. Decisions, acts of the will are always done out of an act of reflection first. So it's, it's just about slowing down and becoming reflective. And I think that's part of the reason it's so hard to fight a CD today because we are really trained not to be reflective. Mm-hmm. We're, we are trained to be reactive. So it's very hard to actually stop and think, is what I'm doing helping me to seek God? Yeah. And I think even um, that breakdown that uh, you mentioned that the Desert Fathers gave that, what is it? Thoughts lead to feelings lead to feelings lead to desires in order to understand that breakdown you have to have a deep interior life Mm -hmm. you have to be examining yourself and examining yourself with god yeah approaching your thoughts feelings and desires yeah and that takes time and that takes quiet yeah and it's you know the the confessional is not a place where um we judge people's souls you know it's a place for mercy i mean there's judgment of the sins and what's going on of sins yeah right right so i don't want to be you know but um uh, i say all this because you can tell the difference between a confession of someone who has an interior life and someone who doesn't (laughs) absolutely because they begin bringing to you um their lack of desire or um thoughts they struggle with and it's so, and there's so much more that the confessor can do with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's the same thing with spiritual direction as well. Yeah. Like you need that um, interior life. And this is a bit of a tangent. Maybe we talk about it later or in a different podcast. But like, I wonder if for like married couples or for people in different vocations, I just get, I think 
I think it's a young people and single people, you really need to take this time in your life to develop a strong interior life yeah. and to understand yourself because it's harder to develop once you get married. It's harder to develop once you have children. Um, it's harder to develop even once you're a priest. Yeah, right? that's absolutely, absolutely true. It can be. So I, I started a side note. Yeah, I, I will say like I really start to appreciate and I wish I would have given more of myself sometimes to some of the spiritual formation at seminary. Yeah. Because I didn't realize how tough it would be to form my own habits once I got to a parish. Right. It's hard. It's very hard. And I mean, you can get, you get there and you, you start making decisions for that, obviously. But, um, and it's very interesting too, because this book by, by Father Nault, um, he actually, one of his sections goes into a CD in the priestly life, in the life of a person with a religious vocation, and in the life of married people. Oh, nice. And it's and so he gives you some very helpful signs and tools to see where it's at in your life. But um, where I want to kind of go with this, there's so much we can say with this. And I, I want to put a little caveat, too. And I, this is where it's a hard one for me because I'm not an expertise on the medical side of things. We can very easily uh, confuse uh, acedia with depression. Oh, yeah. They're not the same thing. They're definitely different. They, they have similar effects in the soul because here's the thing like i said if, if thoughts lead to feelings lead to desires then the thought of i don't want to pray and i give into that that's going to build up in me the feelings of not wanting to pray which is going to give when i've assented to that thought to that spirit i've then it's then it's going to get into my desires and when you start to do that it numbs you and it's yeah. going to make you want to choose less and less god etc and that's going to make you feel despondent inside and sad. And you're going to, the thing is though, someone, if you've been, dis... I'm not, I think at the same time, like the tools to overcome acedia can be also tools for people with depression, but they're not the same thing. I, but I can't make a, a, a judgment on how to discern the two in a way because I'm not a medical professional. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> but if I will, I, you know, you have to listen to people and if they're trying, you know, if they're like, I would say this, if someone's got like a good prayer life, but they're feeling like empty inside, that's probably a sign that something else is going on. That's not spiritual. Yeah. For example. Right. So, you know, just to take that as a caveat when you're listening to this. So I mean, there, there is just so much to say about this, but I want to kind of move to how do we overcome it? Yeah. What do we do? What do we do? Where this is the very pragmatic North American desire. What are the yeah. five? What are the five steps I to overcoming? I want to fix myself. How do I get better? So, for Saint Thomas, he says the number, the 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 ultimate, uh, the ultimate fix to to acedia is the incarnation. What? Because by God becoming man in Christ, he's put into our nature, or he's rekindled in our nature that supernatural desire for God again, mm. which we can't do on our own. It's a work of grace. So actually, Jesus is the ultimate source of healing in Acedia, uh, which is a great place to start. But there are more practical. So it's always because it's always about remembering this. We're not Pelagians. We don't right. just earn our own salvation. There are works that we need to do. Or there, but there are works that we need to do in cooperation with grace. Yeah, so, I'll just say, say one more thing about yeah. that whole Jesus thing and the incarnation being a healing thing. Yeah. Because if we... Very, I think we need to remember who Jesus Christ is, right? 
And if the idea of Jesus Christ, I mean, this can be maybe another test for Acedia. Mm-hmm. If like the idea of Jesus Christ becoming man, if the meditation on this past Christmas season, if all that does nothing for you, then that's a good sign that Acedia is going on. Right. But like that idea of returning to him and remembering how much he has loved you and how close he has come to humanity, taking it up mm-hmm. on himself, that should stir up desire. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. It's Again, like I said, the Desert Fathers don't say desire is bad. It's just that the desires that come from the eight evil thoughts are bad. And so yes. we need to overcome them with the good desires that Christ brings. So he gives us a whole bunch of stuff. Um, and I want, he talks about tears as one way. But I want to actually focus on prayer and work. Because I think uh, this prayer, work, and what he calls the uh, uh, the antiretic method or the method of contradiction. Or as I like to call it, or as a friend likes to call it of mine, uh, Father David, he calls it the George Costanza method. Do the opposite. You know, opposite <laughs> George from Seinfeld fans. Uh, anyways, uh, so prayer and work. So let's say you're, you're suffering from acedia. And I think for all of us, there's at least a little bit of it in all of us. Um, if you're suffering from it and you're finding it very difficult to pray or to do the task at hand, you got to kind of just do it. (laughs) I know this Catholic advice in the book, just do it, just do it. Sponsored by Nike. Um, (laughs) so, but what I mean by this is don't, don't beat yourself up. My, my principle in all this is start small and manageable not large and impossible because here's the other thing the evil spirit is going to want to tempt you to with a magical solution to overcome your acedia and he's going to say but you should do two hours of prayer every day right away do it just do it you're going to overcome (laughs) it so fast if you just do that you're going to fail after three days and then you're going to feel guilty and horrible and it's going to make you hate God even more, or, or at least make you want to move away from God even more. Don't do that. No matter how much it seems like the reasonable or holy thing to do, it's not God saying that. It's yeah. in very rare occasions that he gives a very special grace for someone to, to make a big leap like that. Because remember, we're working, we're going through the desert, right? The whole of salvation history is being lived out in us. So we're going through the desert towards the promised land. We're going through towards Golgotha, towards the cross, which in a real and a mysterious way, which means that we have to kind of go that way of suffering through it in order to become transformed by it. So let's say you're not praying. That's an easy one to fall into. My suggestion for someone who's barely praying regularly is five minutes, three days a week. Choose. That's that's step one. That's step one. Five minutes, three days a week. And I don't care how much you want to run away when you're praying like that. I don't care how distracted. I don't care how unfulfilling it is. You keep on doing it. Because it becomes, I think it's okay to like, you just need to endure your yeah, prayer. Exactly. Yeah. You know, just because, to suffer through your prayer. And, and you're going to feel despondent through it sometimes because you're not going to feel something. But remember, it's not your work. It's Jesus's work. You're not doing it for your sake. You're doing it for his sake because it's actually him leading you to the father. He's if the spirit prays in, through us with words to beyond understanding, right? Mm. So, or if you're finding it very difficult to do any tasks because you suffer from acedia, again, pick one task and start working on building up the habit with that. Because what's what's going to happen is after a month, it's not going to feel so bad. 
And yeah. in fact, you're going to have little glimpses of, wait, I should be doing more of this. And so you can add another five minutes with another day. You, and my experience is if you take this seriously, you'd be amazed at the change you see in a year. Yeah. From going from not praying, you know, my, my hope would be that if you went from not praying much and you did this consistently for a year, you'd go from not praying much to praying 20 minutes a day within a year, which is great progress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, um, a spiritual director, like with a lot of spiritual problems, a spiritual director can be really helpful. Absolutely. Because when that doubt creeps in about, like, is this prayer even worth anything? You can say to yourself, no, my spiritual director told me to do this, so I'm doing it, and it's yeah. the right thing to do. Like, there's a comfort and a security and obedience in that. Yeah. Or like um, what my spiritual director did to me was like, no, 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 no. You're going back to your old prayer habits. Just do it for the next week. Yeah. And he actually made that my penance <laughs> for the confession I gave him. So yeah. something about that was helpful. So I think having a spiritual director can be, like for a lot of spiritual ailments, it can be a really helpful thing to have. Right, right. Um, so yeah, second second thing is uh, be stay in one place. So because the other thing is, is Acedia is going to make you want to run away from things. Stay in one place. I'll give you a quick story with this was when I was in Italy, I was at the Casa Balthazar for a couple of weeks taking a class, and it was a very spiritually intense time for me. Uh, I was encountering what I felt like was almost too much grace. and it made Too me, much grace. Impossible. And it, and it made me want to run away. And oh, that's kind of... Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that's kind of what I did. I mm-hmm. I gave in to Etsy in that moment because I said, I, this is too much for me. I can't handle this. I'm out. And so I packed up my bags, went to the hotel, which is because it's a small town. It's like we were staying at some house. There's a hotel down the road, and that was about it in the mountains. And uh, I get to the hotel. I'm asking a broken Italian how to get to the near when the next bus comes. And I turn around, and there's Father Survey, who was running the institute, just kind of oh. looking at me, smiling. Busted. And I, and I broke down in tears. But it was really good, right? Because I was realizing I was running away from God. Yeah. So, so Acedia makes us want to run away from God. Do mm-hmm. not run away. Stay focused on your task. And this is kind of be my third tip. There's a lot more tips I can give. And if you want more, I can put some stuff on Twitter eventually. But, and this is one of the main ones. Because, okay, what do we do with the thoughts of Acedia? How do we battle it? Okay, so let's say the thought is, I don't want to pray right now. Okay, so yeah. I'm going to give you a three-step prayer with this. Lord Jesus, enter into this temptation. Remove from me the desire to not pray. And get, and then what I always say is say a prayer for someone else. Because... Uh, sinful prayer, sinful temptations want us to focus in on ourselves. So a prayer for someone else is uh, is something that helps us draw us out of ourself. Yeah. And if the thought comes back, you do it again. The thought comes back, you do it again. I do this with all sorts of sins for people. And I say to them, I don't care if it comes 500 times a day. You pray that prayer 500 times a day. Mm-hmm. Because it really helps you to be aware of your thoughts and of your actions and to become more reflective. You may not always win out. But the more you start to practice that habit, and I say to people too, say it 50 times a day, even if it's not tempted just to get it like rooted in your brain. Yeah. Because what you're going to start to see is you're going to start becoming more reflective against things. And then you're going to say, wait, I don't want to pray. Whoa, wait, why don't I want to pray? Like, why wouldn't I want to pray? I want to seek God. Right? So it starts to change the habits of your mind. Yeah. And it starts to, which starts to change your desires. You see the feelings and desires that come from a CDR, they're going to come, those things are going to change later. But we got to change the habits of our mind first with grace always at play, obviously. So, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So, 
I, those are kind of my basic tips on how to kind of start to overcome acedia. Mm-hmm. Um, there is more we could say, but like I said, Father Nault's book, The Noonday Devil, is a fantastic read, and I cannot hi- recommend it highly enough. Yeah. So, thanks everybody for listening. Um, so I think you know, you know, we have actually a good perspective on this. So I bet it could add something to the conversation. Would be Tommy Ty. But unfortunately, my ranting about football has put us over time. So sorry, Tommy. <laughs> sorry, Tommy. My next bad. Week. I picked a terrible time to quit the nicotines. But uh, we'll try to have you on next week, okay? So, yep, we'll see you. Bye, Tommy. Thanks for listening. Please leave a review on iTunes and tell your friends about the podcast. Seriously, click some stars. Say something nice about us. It really helps other people listen to the podcast. Um, Tell your enemies about the podcast, too, because Jesus says we should love our enemies. You can find me at Father Sharapa on Twitter. And you can find me at FR Harrison. Contact the podcast and receive updates at ClericalPod on Twitter or email us at clericallyspeaking at gmail.com. We've got a lot of neat things coming up, a lot of plans on the way for the podcast, so stay tuned. And peace. God bless.